We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the November 20th, 2017 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a Road of His podcast. I'm Anthony Miko. You can find me on Twitter at Amixta. And my co host is Blair Andrews. You can follow at Am I the Real Blair. Blair, how's it going? Uh, it's been better. You know, I'm uh, <laughs> dealing with a little cold here, but also my fantasy teams are uh, in real trouble after some of the injuries this weekend. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to get into it and hopefully find some solutions yeah we need zach Ertz to we're, we're taping this like right before the sunday night game we're gonna need zach Ertz to to put one together so um we'll see what he does uh, joining us today on the show to break down all the news is hassan rahim Hassan is a contributor for rotaviz and roto underworld you can find him on twitter at hrr5010 hassan thanks for coming on today man how's it going hey, it's going pretty well guys uh, thanks for having me on i really appreciate it uh, big fan of the show um yeah, I'm also kind of uh, just in the same boat as you guys, just kind of reeling from today. Like the injuries are really, have really thinned out my my squads and my wide receivers are failing to fire. So I'm looking, uh, staring on the barrel off a pretty bad week. Yeah, I just feel like the last, I mean, we're we're still having a, we're still having like a really low scoring season, not just for fantasy, but like the entire NFL, the entire league is down in scoring. So it's it's been kind of, 
it's been kind of tough to watch. I mean, I thought a couple of today's games were at least interesting. Um, you know, but hopefully it'll pick up going forward. Uh, let's get right into some of the news. Item number one, uh, Chris Thompson broke his fibula against the Saints. He is out for the remainder of the season. Samaje Pirine, in his stay, rushed 23 times for 117 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Perrine looked pretty terrible early in the season, but he played relatively well today. Obviously, the matchup was good, uh, but he's now the lone survivor between himself, uh, Thompson, and Rob Kelly, who is also out for the year. So what's your interest level right now in Pirine, and what do you make of him going forward? Yeah, I mean, if I really needed an RB and he, he's somehow still available on waivers, yeah, whatever I've got left for the fab, I'm I'm, I'm going to be blowing it right there. He's the only RB in Washington's backfield. I mean, you look at the depth chart, they've got Byron Marshall, Keith Marshall, and Lashun Daniels. Um, Byron Marshall worked in some today on passing downs, but like you said, it's definitely the Samaj J.P. Ryan show going forward. I assume the, you know, the Washington's pretty close to being out of the wildcard chase. So I wonder if they're going to work him a little bit more to see what his receiving workload, I mean, to see what his, like his, his receiving chops look like and kind of to figure out whether or not he really is a running back for the future or, or you know, like sort of as a trial run over the next few weeks. So he should see a lot of work going forward. Yeah, if P. Ryan is available, uh, he's definitely worth picking up. He probably isn't after Rob Kelly got injured. I think he was a popular ad. Um, I'm actually kind of interested in Byron Marshall. He's uh, sort of a tough guy to get a real handle on. He has a unique profile anyway. I think in his sophomore season, he was a running back at Oregon, and he rushed for over a 1,000 yards. Uh, and then in his junior season, they converted him to wide receiver, and he caught uh, like around 75 passes for over a 1,000 yards. Um, so he's someone who appears to have both those skill sets. So in that way, he could be an interesting fill-in for Chris Thompson. Um, I think in deeper leagues, he's something, he's someone I'm definitely looking to add just kind of as a, as a flyer, see uh, if anything can come of it. Yeah. I mean, I am a huge Byron Marshall truther, so I'm definitely, definitely down for that. Uh, he did not receive a target today. So, I mean, you know, granted the game script really didn't lend itself to that, at least in my opinion, but it's possible that Thompson being out really just opens up the short passing game. So we see more usage for guys like Crowder, guys like Davis, um, you know, when, if, or I don't even know when Jordan Reed ever comes back, you know, maybe he ends up being more of a focal point, but this is definitely tough for that team. I think that P Ryan obviously is going to be given all the chances in the world to be successful. I, I want to see him do it against a different matchup. I mean, the saints are just getting bled out against the run uh, next week. They play the giants. I mean, I mean, you know, it might not even really matter how good P. Ryan is. If you look at the schedule coming up, they play the Giants next week. Uh, then they play Dallas, who probably still won't have Sean Lee. Uh, he's supposed to miss three games. I don't know if that will hold, but, you know, if Lee's out, that's obviously a great matchup. And then the Chargers. So, I mean, for the next three weeks, you get uh, a really, really good slate of games for P. Ryan. Hopefully he produces in those. And uh, I think that kind of makes him uh, a must-add at this juncture. Yeah, I mean... It's uh, kind of important to remember P. Ryan was someone we actually liked quite a bit coming into the season <clears throat> before he looked so bad early on. I think it was kind of um, a strong signal that Joe Mixon couldn't, you know, totally control the backfield in uh, Oklahoma when they were both there, that P. Ryan was still getting share given how talented Mixon looked. So um, yeah, that was something that at least gave us some hope that he might be able to uh, produce. 
in the NFL, so I don't think that thesis is necessarily dead. <laughs> so, yeah, he's he's interesting for sure. All right, item number two. Kareem Hunt rushed 18 times for 73 yards in the Chiefs' Week 11 loss to the Giants, adding three receptions for four additional yards. Uh, after an absolutely electric start to the year, Hunt is averaging just under 14 PPR points per game since Week 4. Uh, do you have any clue as to why he's done so poorly, and do you think he can bounce back anytime soon? Yeah, so uh, I was actually looking into this, and and kind of there's a a bunch of factors that are kind of going into uh, that work that are working against Hunt currently. Uh, first off, Hunt hasn't scored a touchdown since Week Three, I believe, uh, versus the Chargers. And on top of that, a lot of his big plays have seemingly just dried up. Uh, you know, he used to get a lot a lot of those big chunk plays. His receiving in the in the passing game seems to be still in line with what it was when he started the game uh, the season. He's still seeing a decent you know rushing workload. So a lot of those big chunk plays have fallen by the wayside. Um, the last time he had 100-plus yards from scrimmage was in late October versus Oakland. But, you know, he's still seeing a ton of volume. He's still, you know, largely the only running back uh, in town to see those touches. And he should probably bounce back going forward. Uh, the buy-low machine indicates that uh, Kansas City running backs have the second easiest schedule for the rest of the season. Uh, I... Definitely think that uh, Hunt should be set for a big game versus Buffalo next week, whose run defense uh, really misses the presence of Marcel Darius uh, going forward. Uh, he's got a bunch of other games, um, especially in the fantasy playoffs against like Oakland, and I believe there are a couple of other teams uh, that, that, I'm, that, that are eluding me right now. But, you know, he's got a pretty favorable schedule going forward, and so there should be some spike weeks coming. It's just... You know, if you're not going to get those gigantic junk plays out of him, you're uh, you're probably not going to be seeing uh, a guy who's going to be flirting with those early RB1 numbers. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to uh, put the cart before the horse here, but it, it's not like Hunt was this great prospect. Like, I, I know that people did like him, um, probably more on the film side of things. Or, I mean, I, he, was, he was a decent producer, I suppose, in college. But, like, he was basically the same athlete as Spencer Ware, just, like, a little smaller. And Spencer Ware wasn't really a great athlete. So, like, I don't really get, you know, it's really easy to see Hunt produce early and just be like, oh, like, Hunt is a really, really good football player. But I think that, like, you know, as much as we love the Andy Reid running backs and stuff, like, it's not, you do have to be able to kind of put the pieces together. And this offense hasn't really hasn't been run centric. I mean, the team has obviously they didn't today, but they've been able to find success for long stretches by putting the hand the ball in the hands of Alex Smith uh, and kind of just running their offense in that way, you know, getting a lot of the misdirection plays in, going to Tyreek Hill, running that, you know, shovel option play with Kelsey. Like, they have a lot of other weapons. I, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Hunt is, like, uh, the third best player on their offense. Like, I don't – not including the quarterback. So, like, I don't know. When you when you think of it like that, it's not really terribly surprising that Hunt is is not doing well. I, I don't think that like he'll continue to not score just because the offense is scoring. And you know, eventually some of that is going to fall to him. But I, those first three games, I think, just like really really skewed our impression of Hunt. And I think if we just stopped and looked back at his overall profile as a prospect and kind of the situation he was in in the preseason, I think we would realize that we were maybe just a little too enthusiastic at the start of the year i don't really like to be that guy who you know, like is always uh <laughs> tooting 
our own horn, but I think I want to count this as a win for the repo, actually, because we were discussing him a few, you know, several weeks ago and saying how he wasn't getting the the volume you'd usually see from some of the workhorse backs, and he was, um, you know, producing mainly on efficiency. Uh, and so some regression like this was, you know, what we should be expecting all along. We've seen this in Andy Reid offenses before, of course. You know, he even with Jamal Charles, he would limit him to, like, I don't know, 18, 20 touches a game. It's just how he kind of likes to use his backs. And I don't think anyone would say Hunt is anywhere near the level of talent uh, as Jamal Charles. So, um, yeah, I don't think this is too unexpected, just given the way the Chiefs offense works, the kind of volume he was getting. I think probably 14 points per game, somewhere around there, might be more like what we should see going forward. So um, in terms of a bounce back, I'm not that optimistic. All right. Uh, Well, let's get right into no shit, shit, no. First item this week, Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson uh, caught four of six targets for 56 yards and a touchdown in the Browns' week 11 loss to the Jaguars. Uh, I'm actually going to call this no shit. Uh, maybe don't expect the TDs going forward, but Duke's been a fairly solid check down option for Deshaun Kaiser, and you know we shouldn't expect it to change. This has kind of been his bread and butter and his calling card this entire season, and uh, he should, you know, continue seeing work in the receiving game. You know, despite Corey Coleman being back, and I genuinely think that he's carved this role out. The TDs, sure, like that's kind of uh, rare, but he will continue being this solid check down option, and if you have him continue rolling him out there he's a very solid ppr play marvin jones reeled in four of seven targets for 85 yards and a touchdown sunday in the lions week 11 win over the bears yeah this one i'm also going to call this a uh, no shit he leads the team in air yards and weighted opportunity rating he also has one of the highest ados on the team he's going to you know stafford's going to continuous continue to pepper him at targets going forward and he's also got a couple of favorable matchups. Uh, you know, they, they're going to be spike weeks, especially when they face stiffer secondaries going forward. But for the most part, you know, keep firing up Marvin Jones. He's con- he's continuing to see the volume and just fade whatever the, the you know, the poor matchup uh, seems to be because he's still the, uh, the guy that you want in terms of those big boom weeks. Jordan Howard had 125 yards and a touchdown on 15 carries in the Bears' Week 11 loss to the Lions. Is is it possible to call this like a, like a a bit of both? Um, I mean, because because if you look at like the game splits app, Jordan Howard really fails to produce when the Bears are six or more points uh, underdogs per Vegas. Uh, this goes all the way back to his rookie year in twenty sixteen. Uh, like the it's a fairly you know jarring split, uh, but we, you know when they favored or they're well within. The norm, Howard continues to produce boom weeks like, as he does. And going forward, the Chicago Bears face uh, a mixed schedule. Uh, there are several uh, teams that are on there that, you know, like the 49ers and the Browns, that they should be able to keep it close. And I think Howard will probably have a couple of boom weeks. But also next week, they run into the Eagles, who are one of, if not the hottest team in the NFL right now. And I, I, and I don't know how... Howard's going to be productive going forward. So I would go with a bit of both. He's fairly matchup dependent, in my opinion. Devontae Parker caught four of nine targets for 26 yards in Sunday's Week 11 loss to the Buccaneers. Uh, I'm going to go with shit no. Uh, Maybe he's not, you know, the great Alshon Jeffrey-esque player that Jay Cutler touted him as. But, you know, the QB play really hasn't done him many favors. He's still up there in air yards. He's still up there in target share. He's still up there in, in market share of air yards. 
maybe once uh, the Dolphins decide they're either going to stick with Matt Moore or they decide they want to ride the Cutler train one more time, you know, Barker should eventually boom at some point. Kenny Stills caught seven of eight targets for 180 yards and a touchdown in Sunday's week 11 loss to the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to make of this. Uh, I would call it a shit no, but Stills typically has a few of these games in him um, week over, you know, season over season. It's genuinely not surprising that he did this today, particularly because Parker didn't play play well. Um, I genuinely am stoked to have Kenny Stills on one or two basketball teams, and this is the kind of week that I have him for. I believe both those teams are ranked dead last, so it does nothing. But I genuinely think that, that Stills has a few of these weeks in him, and if you play in a very deep league, you should continue rolling him out there. Evan Ingram caught one of six targets for nine yards in the Giants' Week 11 win over the Chiefs. Oh, shit, no. I mean, you know, Sterling Shepard's out. You're looking at Traveris King and Roger Lewis and, you know, a cavalcade of uh, make a create a player from Madden wide receivers. I, like, Sterling, like, without Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram is clearly the guy who you want. And this is just a down week. He's, you know, there were windy conditions out in New York. And eventually, I'm fairly certain that he will, you know, be back to where he was and, and serve again as a top top five tight end going forward. Adam Thielen caught six of nine targets for 123 yards and one touchdown in the Vikings week 11 win over the Rams. Uh, shit, no. I mean, this this dude, oh, sorry, I, I meant no shit. Adam Thielen's awesome, and I genuinely regret that I was blinded during draft season. I, 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 I grabbed so much digs that I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, Adam Thielen is absolutely fantastic. He's, he's just a... I genuinely am really angry at myself that I, A, haven't got him right in DFS, and B, haven't got him right in season long, and C, don't own him anywhere in Dynasty. So when he rips my face off, I have absolutely, you know, like I'm just left marveling at how fantastic of a player he is. And he's like, a, him and Diggs are like perfect complements of each other. It's just ridiculous watching that offense right now. Roberts caught 8 of 11 targets for 81 yards in the Rams' Week 11 loss to the Vikings. Uh, shit, no. I mean, this is kind of, we've come to see this from the Saturday Rams offense where Robert Woods has seemingly ascended to, you know, their, for fantasy purposes, as WR1 status. He's, you know, they've got him locked up for a long time. It's clear Jared Goff has a pretty good connection with him. Uh, even when you look at the game splits app, I believe that him and uh, Sammy Watkins cannibalized their production back when they were both in Buffalo together. So you're looking at, you know, guys who have, played together for a while and uh the eight games that Watkins played without Woods he you know was averaging a high double digit PPR numbers going forward like uh I want to say it was 18 points I can't remember right now but it was something ridiculous but with Woods in the game he was down where he was right now like he sees those spike weeks and Woods is just fantastic and I think he's an underrated dynasty asset because he doesn't have that name brand that Sammy Watkins does but he's definitely someone that uh, you should go out and try and acquire ASAP. Mark Ingram rushed 11 times for 134 yards and one touchdown in the Saints' Week 11 win over the Redskins. He added three catches for 21 additional yards. Yeah, this is going to be no shit. I mean, Mark Ingram has been fantastic this season ever since they basically told Adrian Peterson, hey, you take a hike. Um, Mark Ingram's exploded. They're really trusting him more in the uh, you know as a primary running back, uh, similar to what they did last season, where they just sort of rode him down the stretch. And Ingram is uh, has abs- you know has responded. I don't expect his efficiency to remain this guy high, but he's 
you know, when called upon, he's doing fantastic. And, uh, you know, I thought he was not going to really perform well because the Saints were in the process of getting blown out. But he just pulled off huge run after huge run. And he was able to compile these massive uh, stats at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's just how it goes. Expect the efficiency to regress, but he's still a very good running back. He's going to see a lot of volume. Alvin Kamara rushed eight times for 42 yards in the Saints' Week 11 win over the Redskins, adding six receptions for 75 additional yards and a touchdown. Yeah, this is also going to go in the no-shake column. I mean, Alvin Kamara has been used to that scat back, uh, and he's delivered and done some. I mean, his touchdown run today was was a thing of beauty. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to watch it, I would genuinely YouTube the highlights just because it was quite something else. Uh, you know, again, his... Touch distribution is fairly skinny uh, compared to Ingram's, but he seems to produce fantastically as a receiver. And, you know, again, there's like the efficiency is fairly high, but and I don't really see that changing. I mean, I mean, sorry, uh, his his role is that of a change of pace back, but uh, the efficiency, even if it comes down some and regresses to his own, his career mean, he's still going to be a very, very useful RB1 going forward. Leonard Fournette rushed 28 times for 111 yards in the Jaguars' Week 11 win over the Browns. Uh, this is also going to go in the no-shake column. I mean, the the Jags, uh, when Fournette has sat, they've rode big portals and they've just sort of opened up the offense and thrown a lot. But today, you know, missing Alan Hearns, they were and playing in poor weather conditions, they were comfortable letting Leonard Fournette get out there and just bound the rock. He hasn't really carried the ball much lately. Uh, he's had some discipline issues. And, you know, earlier, like, Earlier in the week, he, he did not practice. He he had he was limited in practice. He's you know he's had ankle issues, but he he came out here and and the Browns have this uh, supposed fearsome run defense, and he just completely gashed them on the ground. You know again he's going to see a gigantic workload going forward, and there should be no fear of rolling him out there. DeAndre Hopkins hauled in four of nine targets for 76 yards and a touchdown in the Texans' Week 11 win over the Cardinals. Yeah, this is this is no shit. I mean, the guy boasts a 35% target share. Savage just peppers him with targets. You know, like the Patrick Peterson supposed shadow factor was clearly not in play here. Uh, you know, he... If you continue seeing that kind of volume, even with Wolf Fuller out, you're going to eventually produce, and that's what's happening. DeAndre Hopkins is by far and away the only um, wide receiver that Tom Savage, uh, a.k.a. the pocket sloth, as Evan Silva coined him, is the only one that he wants to target and should continue producing these, you know, these high-end WR1 numbers going forward. Do either of you guys know if he's got a shot at finishing the season as a top three wide receiver? Uh, I would think he has to. I mean, uh, he had a couple of really monster games, which you definitely need in your portfolio, and He's continued to produce every week. I, I think he's definitely in that. Isn't he number one right now in PPR? Let me look it up. I believe it should be between him and, and AB, right? Yeah, it looks like he's got Antonio Brown by 20 points right now. So he's got, uh, you know. He, he won't had, He won't after this week, I'm sure. But yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. You know, he had that one three touchdown game a few, several weeks ago. So he's got touchdowns already on the season, so. That's really what's uh, what's put him so far ahead. I don't know if the touchdowns will be there going forward, though. Yeah, but, I mean, he's getting enough volume that the yardage could just carry him there. Uh, Devontae Adams caught 8 of 10 targets for 126 yards in Week 11 against Baltimore. 
Uh, this one's going to go as a no shit ever since Hanley took over. And even kind of before before Hanley, I believe uh, that Adams had stealthily become the WR1 in this offense. Uh, a lot of opposing teams were using their top cornerbacks to shadow him. Uh, you know, and uh, Hanley seems to show a fairly similar affinity for, for Adams as Savage does for Hopkins. You know, and again, I don't know how many wide receivers outside of Adams uh, Hanley can support. So you're, you know, you're going to look at Adams just seeing ridiculous, um, ridiculous number of targets, and uh, he apparently seems to be having a fairly efficient season this year compared to last year and the year before that. So there's no reason why he doesn't return uh, high end WR two value uh, for the rest of the season, and he did it against Baltimore, I, who have a fairly difficult secondary. So that's even more impressive, in my opinion. Ricky Seals-Jones came out of nowhere to catch three of five targets for 54 yards and two touchdowns in the Cardinals' Week 11 loss to the Texans. Uh, this one's going to go in, in, in shit no. I mean, do you really want the third-string tight end from Arizona on your team? Like, I, can, I, I can't even stomach the idea of having Jermaine Gresham starting in my lineup. I don't know how I how comfortable I'd feel trying to put Ricky Seals-Jones in there. Mike Evans caught 5 of 10 targets for 92 yards in Sunday's Week 11 win over the Dolphins. Uh, this is going to be a shit no. I mean, Mike Evans is having, comparative to where he was supposed to be, a kind of a bit of a down year for the for the Bucks all around. Uh, maybe maybe with Fitzpatrick or Winston going forward, as long as they continue latching on to Evans, he just sees that ridiculous volume. I'm actually kind of disappointed that his quarterbacks have uh, let him down. I was fairly high on him coming into the season and uh, this Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense and their play calling has just been uh, a disaster and it's really depressed his, his fantasy value. I still think he's a top three dynasty wide receiver and I still think you should be selecting him in the first round of drafts, drafts next year, but it really has been a little bit trying because uh, I was hoping to, you know, get the tradition, you know, like you're looking at those kind of boom weeks and I don't know if, uh, or I don't recall off the top of my head if Mike Evans has had that yet or had one of those in a, in a while. Travis Kelsey caught eight of 14 targets for 109 yards in the Chiefs week 11 loss to the Giants. Yeah, this is going to go in the no shit column. Um, I mean, we all know the New York Giants are pretty poor against tight ends. Uh, we kind of were hoping that Kelsey would maybe catch a touchdown. Uh, this is kind of on the, I believe the low end of expectations. Uh, uh, for for Kelsey for this game, uh, I think he also had an int that he threw, which is uh, a bit of a bummer. But again, I mean the way the way this uh, team has used Kelsey has been nothing short of fantastic, and I he really has put together a string of incredible performances, a hundred plus yard games, or and a bunch of TDs uh, recently. He's performing like a top three tight end and uh, you know he really is in that top uh, that top three mix going forward I think he could probably end as a TE3 I don't know if he's got what it takes to catch Ursa Gronk. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald hauled in nine of ten targets for 91 yards and a touchdown in the Cardinals week 11 loss to the Texans. This one's going to go in the uh, no shade column he continues to see volume and he continues to actually perform on it Uh, full disclosure I actually called him a sell for the playoffs a few weeks ago Uh, I was looking at his game splits and noticed that he kind of fades down the stretch at the end of the season Uh, around week 10 I believe is when it when his fade typically starts now you know no David Johnson uh, you know they're starting Blaine Gabbard or Drew Stanton they're going to lock in on on live fits fits as we know is a fantastic wide receiver just this tremendous work ethic kind of guy and 
you know, as long as he sees the volume, he's going to turn it into something positive. And he seems to be fairly spry, even though we're heading into week 12. And he's just putting up these monster numbers, these monster yard after catch numbers and these touchdowns. And he's, you know, pretty much in that back end WR1, high end WR2 mix going forward. Crazy that he was being drafted around the end of fifth round in the, of the fifth round earlier this summer. Keenan Allen caught 12 of 13 targets for 159 yards and two touchdowns in the Chargers' 54-24 Week 11 win over the Bills. Yeah, this one's going to go in the uh, no shit column as well. I believe uh, I believe that a lot of there were you know there were whispers of like uh, more distributed target share and a and a, you know maybe Keenan Allen's lacking volume and maybe all he needs is volume to thrive. But realistically, like Keenan Allen saw uh, a few brutal matchups in a row, and today when he got when he managed to find a soft one, like he just went ham. Uh, as we saw, I think uh, Ben Cratch actually also noted that out in Stealing Signals earlier this week, just mentioned that, you know, Keenan Allen, everything is primed for a huge week for Keenan. And it just all came to a head. And I mean, he just went off. And I, I kind of hope he continues to go off because I have a bunch of teams that really need that going forward. Fantasy football fans, listen up. If you love fantasy football, then you need to try my new favorite app, Draft. Here's how it works. Do a draft that lasts for just one week. There's no management. Just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. Drafts start every couple of minutes, so you can join one right now. And the best part, you play for cold, hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, so there is a draft for everyone. No salary caps. Play in a real live snake draft, just like you play with your friends in a season-long league. Come and join me on Draft today. Download the app at any time. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes. Or play right from your computer on PlayDraft.com, whichever you'd like. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code RVRADIO. That's right. Play a real money game for free just for using my promo code RVRADIO on your first deposit on Draft. Just search Draft in the app store. Or go to playdraft.com and come play free with promo code RV Radio. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event, even eSports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Now let's get into a couple more regular news items to wrap up the show. Item number three, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reports that Deontay Foreman suffered a torn Achilles in Week 11 against the Cardinals. Uh, It's a real shame. Foreman was playing very well prior to going down. He had two touchdowns in this game. Hassan, does this make Miller a true workhorse going forward? And where would you rank him among running backs? Yeah, so uh, it's actually like to, you know, 
as you mentioned, it really is is a, is a bummer that Dante Foreman went down, and uh, I really hope that he comes back strong from this torn Achilles. Uh, he really was having a bit of a breakout game, and he's threatened that before in the past. If you look at uh, look at his game logs, he's outproduced Lamar Miller uh, in in a couple of them, and he's done you know done so in a fairly efficient way. Like uh, he's he's seen less carries, but he's outproduced him in the receiving game and so on. And this injury came at a really bad time because I was thinking in my head, he's definitely going to force a timeshare after this. I can finally plug him in with with some uh, you know, confidence in my lineups. And this is a real bummer and I'm really sad for him. Uh, as for Miller, uh, I genuinely think that he's sort of been seen as a bell cow and he has seen bell cow volume. This sort of kind of doesn't change the needle for me. Uh, he's He's going to be where he always is, you know, in that low end, back end RB1 range. Um, you know, the, the buy low machine does indicate that the Texans have one of the softer upcoming run schedules. So maybe if Miller's able to find the end zone uh, a few more times, he should be able to finish strong, maybe as an RB7 or RB8. But this really hasn't uh, changed where I, where I value Miller uh, compared to uh, other RBs. I mean, you might actually see a little bit more Alfred Blue on passing downs, and that would probably be it. But again, Alfred Blue and the other guys don't really pose much of a threat. I don't, I don't think to Lamar Miller's workload. In fact, you might get a bump because of the receiving stuff. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you said. I think this was one of the more, one of the most disappointing injuries, you know, we've had in a few weeks for me, just because I own Foreman on so many dynasty teams. I was really high on him coming into the season. I own him on a lot of best ball teams, even just thinking. He was uh, the more talented back between, you know, among all the backs in the uh, Texans' backfield. So he would eventually take uh, some take the work from Miller, and it looked like he was going to do it today. Uh, so, yeah, this was just uh, kind of the worst timing and just really disappointing to see this, of course. Um, and I agree, I don't think this really changes the way I would value Miller going forward that much. Uh, he still, you know, even before this game, I think he still was getting the bulk of the work and about as much work as you would expect. Um, the other thing that kind of makes me not, not that much more bullish on Miller as a result is that I think the Texans offense probably isn't going to be this good going forward. I think, uh, what we saw from them today was kind of, it's probably a bit of an aberration. So, uh, yeah, not much has changed in my valuation of Miller, but definitely sad to see Foreman go down like this. Yeah, the schedule is also really tough for them. Uh, their remaining five games, assuming that your league does not use Week 17, uh, Ravens, Titans, 49ers, Jaguars, Steelers, really only one good matchup in that mix. Um, granted, it, it will be in a critical playoff week, uh, Week 14, but I, I just don't really... I don't even know if you can start Miller going forward with the exception of that one game. Like he's just really going to be in tough matchups. It's going to be very, very roster dependent just uh, with who you have. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of agree with you. It's easy to avoid him in DFS. Definitely. Uh, I mean, if you drafted him as a pretty high equity pick, I don't know how you avoid starting him down the stretch. And that's, I mean, and, and if you did that, just be expect temporary expectations for Miller going forward. He really had his best games, I think, when Deshaun Watson was under center. So not having a guy who's fairly immobile as your quarterback 
who's only really able to you know support one wide receiver you're looking at an offense that's going to be very ugly going forward against you know more difficult competition who would you start going forward between miller and duke johnson uh, um i mean i'd probably plug in miller but it would just it would not be i'm just i'm just genuinely still not over the deshaun watson injury i guess um you know, like that, like like that, like that guy changed this entire offense, and so I mean, I don't know. Like, even if Will Fuller returns to the lineup, does he really? Is that really a a, a benefit? Like, does he? You know, like Tom Savage really hasn't proven to be capable of of supporting more than just the one guy thus far. And I mean, you, I mean, I'm gonna in season long, I'm definitely rolling Lamar Miller out there, but I'm not going to be shocked and surprised if he just doesn't get me what you know what he does uh, or what he did under Watson and what or what he's been giving me recently either. Uh, I am probably going to take Duke Johnson. Yeah, I asked the question because they're only about six points apart a season in terms of PPR. And I think I agree. Even with Foreman out, I I would probably rather start Duke Johnson uh, going forward, which is maybe a little bit weird to say, but I don't know. Yeah, the, the, the schedule's not bad. I mean, bang, he still wraps up with, with Ravens uh, in the playoffs, which is tough. But, I mean, next three weeks, Bengals, Chargers, Packers. That's pretty good, and I think that Duke is obviously always in the mix because you know he does catch a lot of balls and he's a part of the passing game. And then Cleveland, you know, is always trailing. So yeah, and I think that's what makes like makes Duke really, really exciting going forward, just because he's used so often in the passing game. He racks up all those cheap PPR points. What else do you want? Maybe a TD or two, but like you know, like maybe Miller has a slightly better shot at a TD. But I don't know. I don't know how this offense is going to look going forward. Right, at least with the with the Browns, you kind of know like not to expect TDs, and you're pretty stoked if he does get one. <laughs> All right, well, let's finish up with the final news item. Latavius Murray rushed 15 times for 95 yards and two touchdowns in the Vikings' 24-7 Week 11 win over the Rams. Uh, so, is it time to reevaluate this backfield? And who would you rather have rest of season, Murray or McKinnon? Eh, I mean. I don't know if it's time to reevaluate this backfield. We kind of know what, what what each guy is. I mean, Murray is fairly volume dependent, and we know McKinnon has always been a home run hitter. I actually started both of them in one league today. So, I mean, because I own both of them, so that was, you know, no skin off my back. Uh, who would I rather have rest of the season? That kind of depends. Uh, the reason you'd want Murray going forward is because we know this Minnesota Vikings offense is fairly good. We know they're going to be in scoring position a lot, and we know they use them a lot. It's a big body thumper to just punch the ball in. Um, if you're looking to add volatility and a lot of big, you know, and you're looking at a big play threat to your lineup, you want McKinnon. If you're looking for a guy who could, <laughs> with a scarily low floor, if he doesn't score um, and see a lot of this volume, like uh, whether you're using Murray, uh, you know, he rushed for 95 yards uh, on, on 15 carries. It's, you know, a guy who didn't see a lot of work in the receiving game. You know, you're looking for just a, a solid guy. And just bear in mind that, you know, like you can get like a two to three point outing from him in, in your range of options. Uh, so I guess it sort of depends on the position you're in and kind of what your roster looks like. And I know that's a cop out of an answer. So I'm sorry for that. No, I think that I think that's a fair response. I mean, it's really difficult, like, if you've always been a McKinnon guy, like, I've always been, like, really into McKinnon, it's really difficult for me to not take him, uh, you know, but it's in the interest of being consistent, like, I just feel like it always, it always comes down to the receiving work, and McKinnon is going to get that work no matter what, like, I would just always rather have that guy 
than the guy that you need to be successful on first and second down. I mean, McKinnon, while Murray has definitely gotten more of those chances recently, McKinnon has still received goal line opportunities and, and converted. Like, it's not like he's totally out of the game plan in those cases. I think that really what this does is it just very, very firmly solidifies that uh, Murray is going to be a very consistent part of the game plan. So, like, any any images you had, any thoughts you had of McKinnon just being a workhorse every single week, 25 touches, like, that's probably gone. But I still think that his weekly floor is higher and he still has a fantastic ceiling. So I'm still taking McKinnon, uh, but I do think that Murray is obviously startable. Yeah, and, and actually here's a really cool, uh, well, I guess not cool, but really sort of an interesting fact. Uh, today, after today's game, both Latavius Murray and Jerry McKinnon finally overtook Dalvin Cook in yards, uh, in rushing yards. Neither of them had done so prior, you know, before this. I'm I'm kind of interested in this situation from a dynasty perspective, also, just because, uh, like I I just bought McKinnon in dynasty, and I think that like it's very easy to look at the situation and be like, all right, like yeah, these guys are doing pretty well, but like obviously this is Dalvin Cook's backfield when he gets back, but I mean he's coming off a major knee injury, uh, these guys have played well, like it isn't there like at least some chance that this has been worked into like more of a split even when he comes back even if he's healthy. I could definitely see that. Uh, you know, I kind of thought that at the beginning of the season that these, you know, Murray and McKinnon weren't going to just kind of go away. And I was proven wrong, actually, when Cook just came in and took over the backfield. So, you know, I could see that happening too. It's um, it's always tough to, uh, you know, predict what's going to happen when when a, uh, you know, a workhorse comes back after his backup has been doing well obviously that's kind of a truism but <laughs> yeah i mean if this was a dynasty perspective i would really want mckinnon uh you know ahead of Mare uh, all day like, you know he's just this freak athlete like this dude who creates something out of nothing and i believe his contract might be up after this season and if you and if the vikings don't re-sign him the, there are at least you know, five other teams I can name off the top of my head that could use him. And, you know, there are a bunch of other teams, I'm sure, that would look at him really long and hard, depending on what free agency starts looking like. So I think McKinnon represents a significantly more valuable dynasty asset. Absolutely. Yeah, this is the end of his uh, rookie contract. I actually forgot about that. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there are so many teams. I mean, like we see the, uh, you know, how like the NFL loves using these committees. I mean, give me the explosive athletic guy who catches the passes in the committee uh, going forward, uh, you know, especially for most of his career, as long as he's avoiding taking those, you know, those low leverage to the tackles hits. You know, there's no reason why he can't eke out a pretty decent career as a receiving guy. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to our guest, Hassan Rahim. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at HRR5010. And get that 30% discount for subscribing to Rotoviz through the Rotoviz radio channel, rotoviz.com slash podcast. It also helps if you rate and review the show. You can find us along with the rest of the Rotoviz shows under the Rotoviz radio feed. We also have our individual feed for just this show. Search for Fantasy Football Report on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Subscribe and leave us a rating or review. For Blair Andrews, I'm Anthony Miko. Thanks for listening. Listening to the Rotoviz Report, powered by Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed, and be sure to contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com 
We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at RotoBizRadio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to RotoBiz at a 30% discount through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotobiz.com slash podcast. Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on condo insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you took minimalism too far because there's only one chair in your entire condo and your only entertainment is one card. Not even a deck of cards, but a single card. And all your guests have to share one plate and one fork, but you're convinced that less stuff means more freedom. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the overly minimalist broom closet you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on condo insurance. GEICO presents yet another voicemail from your roommate. Hi! So, about the kitchen. Turns out, when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. (laughs) Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here, and it's totally cool. Give me a call back when you get a chance. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.